0: Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer, and welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchful News. It's Wednesday, December 6th, 2023. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, a look around at each of the leaders' personal and political implications when it comes to Ukraine funding. Number two, the lasting wounds from Senator Tommy Tuberville's failed hold on military promotions. And number three, what to watch in today's banking CEO hearing. All right, let's get into it. Happy Wednesday morning. We have a jam-packed edition this morning uh, for our AM edition, and we are leading the top with a look at how not only is December usually a difficult month, of course it is. There's always some drama over a possible government shutdown. Holidays are looming. Lawmakers want to get home, but there is a new dynamic at play this year. Nearly every top national leader finds themselves boxed in on a critically important issue that will that will have huge personal and political implications over the next few weeks and months. So we're going to take a look around the horn here, first of all starting with President Joe Biden. Biden faces global crises everywhere he looks. The president has led the western coalition supporting Ukraine against the bloody Russian invasion, but more than 20 months into the war, US support is waning, especially among Republicans. And now the White House is locked in a brutal bare knuckles political negotiation over the U.S.-Mexico border security in exchange for said Ukraine aid. Now, Biden knows it would probably help him to politically address the migrant crisis. At the same time, progressives and Hispanic groups are pressuring him to reject what they see as extreme Republican demands on immigration policy. Biden's embrace of Israel since the October 7th terror attacks and subsequent war with Hamas has dismayed many progressives, especially young people, just as the president kicks off his reelection run. Muslim voters, another important demographic in key states like Michigan, are turning against Biden as well. The White House, from Biden on down, is pressuring Israel on how it's conducting its military campaign in Gaza. There's no way to find a middle path here. Next up, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. The Senate GOP leader desperately wants Congress to approve more Ukraine aid. This has become mission critical for McConnell. But his decision to embrace conservatives' demands for border policy changes as a condition for a massive Ukraine funding package was a huge risk. It essentially tied the fate of one of his biggest priorities to Congress's ability to reach an agreement on something that lawmakers haven't been able to resolve for decades, immigration and the border. To be sure, McConnell is reflecting the reality that Republicans nationally are souring on Ukraine. So in theory, the border overhaul would sweeten the deal for conservatives. But here's the problem. Many of the same Republicans who are on the HR2 or bust train also oppose any more money for Ukraine. And insisting on border policies that can never pass with Democratic support as a condition for their support could lead to nothing passing at all. And all of this could be for naught anyway, with Speaker Mike Johnson continuing to send signals that he won't even put a bipartisan border Ukraine-Israel-Taiwan bill on the floor. Plus, what does McConnell do if there's no border deal by Christmas, but Ukraine hangs in the balance? That is going to be a very big question. Let's turn our attention to Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. Like McConnell, Schumer is a true believer in the value of aiding Democratic allies under threat from autocrats. Schumer has been especially vocal on the need to help Israel. But Senate Republicans have significant leverage in this debate, and Schumer knows it look no further than the GOP's vow to defeat a procedural motion on the foreign aid package later today. The 60-vote threshold gives Republicans a big say in what this bill looks like, and they're taking advantage of that by pressing for border policy changes. Schumer also has a handful of red state Democrats who are up for re-election next year. They most certainly have a major interest in addressing the border issues, too, and could pressure Schumer to accept some of the GOP demands. And last but not least, Speaker Mike Johnson. Johnson, who recently started getting top level security briefings, has changed his tune on Ukraine. The Louisiana Republican voted against aid to Kev as a rank and file member, although now he's positioned himself as a Ukraine supporter. Yet Johnson has little room to maneuver. He won't agree to sending more money to help Ukraine fight off Russia without quote unquote transformative changes to border policy. Johnson continues to echo arguments made by members of his conference who oppose more Ukraine funding. Johnson also seems unable to make his mind up on extending FISA authority. The speaker told House negotiators he won't accept a short-term extension in the must-pass NDAA bill this month, despite saying he'd do just that last week. Johnson is stuck between the Republicans in his conference who want to overhaul FISA dramatically and those who just want to tweak it. And when it comes to Israel... Johnson truly has no way out. The Louisiana Republican declared any Israel aid package needs to be offset, putting himself at crosswise with Democrats, the White House, and most Senate Republicans. Eventually, Johnson may be confronted with having to pass Israel aid without offsets, and then Johnson isn't going to be in trouble with conservatives. All right, let's move on to the number two story of the morning, The Lasting Wounds from Senate Republicans' Tuberville mess. Our very own Andrew Desiderio has the latest on a storyline he has been covering months for us. Senator Tommy Tuberville's military promotions blockade may be over, but he writes, the bad blood from the standoff will reverberate among Senate Republicans for a long time to come. The Alabama Republicans' 10-month-long effort ended Tuesday with literally nothing to show for it. Tuberville initially used the nomination blockade as leverage to push the Pentagon to scrap its controversial abortion leave policy. The issue roiled the Senate GOP conference in recent months as it became clear that he wasn't going to win. Still, Tuberville kept at it, winning fans on the right in the process until the situation became unbearable for GOP defense hawks, who all but said they'd vote for a Democratic proposal to quash the blockade if he didn't end it. Tauberville tells us he has zero regret, regrets, but one of his detractors says she wishes her party had tried harder to head off the saga sooner. That person, Joni Ernst, the Republican from Iowa, say telling us you know that she hoped she wished that they had started much sooner, maybe working with the House on a lawsuit that this could have been avoided. Uh, Ernst and Senator Dan Sullivan, the Republican from Alaska, led a group of Republican veterans eventually saying enough is enough, taking to the Senate floor to demand that Tuberville end the blockade immediately. Tuberville's allies in this fight, GOP senators like Mike Lee of Utah and Roger Marshall of Kansas, pushed back. Conservative groups piled on. Eventually, it became a near daily discussion at Senate GOP lunches, sometimes devolving into arguments between between Tuberville's allies and antagonists, which we have reported extensively on. In the end, as I said at the top, the Pentagon's abortion policy is still in place, a fact that Tuberville's detractors are emphasizing. It's going to be worth watching how this resolves itself within the conference. Can everybody make up? And does anybody try this again? Certainly a tactic that had the Republicans and Democrats at a stalemate with the Pentagon for months. All right, let's move on to the number three story of the morning from The Vault top bank CEOs are going to be saying at today's Senate hearing. Executive representatives from some of the world's most important banks will testify before the Senate Banking Committee today. This hearing, the initial planning which we scooped back in September, has become an almost annual ritual at this point. Senate Banking Committee Chair Sherrod Brown told us Tuesday that it's about keeping them accountable. CEOs testifying today include JP Morgan's Jamie Dimon, Citigroup's Jane Frazier, Bank of Americans, Brian Moynihan, Wells Fargo's, Charlie Scharf, State Street's Ronald O'Hanley, BNY Mellon's Robin Vince, Goldman Sachs' David Solomon, and Morgan Stanley's James Gorman. Their written testimonies is out here, but we expect them to be covering... A slew of issues, uh, including bank's capital requirements, a regulatory effort led by Vice Chair for Supervision at the Federal Reserve, Michael Barr. The banking sector has been a top target in Washington in recent years. And the topics covered today could include everything from credit card reform to junk fee crackdowns to anti-ESG political blowback. But nothing has captured the industry's ire, like capital reform, which includes a series of changes referred to as Basel III, as well as tweaks to banks' calculation of long-term debt risks. Look forward to some fireworks there, and the back and forth of sparring between the CEOs and some of the members of the panel, our very own Brendan Peterson, will be covering that top to bottom, bringing all of you, and, in particular our premium members, the latest from that Senate hearing. With that, thanks so much for listening. Want to have a quick flag? We have our last editorial event of the year. This morning, Senate Finance Committee member John Thune is joining myself and senior congressional reporter Andrew Desiderio. Of course, Thune is a top member of Republican leadership in the Senate, and we're going to be talking news of the day, tech policy, and the latest on the 2024 presidential and congressional campaigns. You can RSVP to join the conversation. It's going to be streaming live at our events hub at punchbowl.news. Have a great day and stay safe, everybody.